This is Betty. I'm the witch from the north. And I'm Lancel, the island witch. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rosemary, Rosemary by the Bucketful. Bucket Welcome back to another episode of Rosemary by the Bucketful. Today we're going to be talking about tips for beginner witches. So if you're new to the craft, then some of these tips will be beneficial for you. But even if you've been practicing for a little bit, uh, our tips could provide you with uh, a fresh perspective. So Lancel, did you want to start us off? I think the first steps would be asking why you want to practice and delving deep or quote-unquote doing some shadow work on why you want to change your beliefs or start practicing and i think the root questions are why am i practicing this or why do i want to practice this and as you get into it it would be what are my thoughts on this subject i think it's like one of the beliefs or practice where we actually have to do to start doing homework and not just learn from other people I agree. Um, For me, in the beginning, one of the biggest things was asking myself, what does it mean to me to be a witch? Um, And I think being a witch is basically uh, a living embodiment of your personal truth. So it's not about what you buy, what you wear, or what you post on social media. As Lancel said, it's about digging deep and finding out what your beliefs are and where you stand on certain topics. Um, Because as much as you may hear the opposite, I believe that witchcraft can be and is inherently political because it is used as a tool for us to change our lives, to change the world, and to heal ourselves, whether that be from uh, some past traumas or residual beliefs that no longer resonate with us, or even further than that... um, being a voice for the oppressed. I totally agree with that. And I think some further thoughts as you're getting into it would to acknowledge that in a few days, in a few weeks, your ideas and beliefs are going to change. This happens a lot to most, to everyone basically, um, and expect to make mistakes. I, I say, I made a post on this actually. Um, Strive to be magical, not to be perfect. And I think that applies especially when you're a beginner. Absolutely. I love that uh, that saying, strive to be magical, not to be perfect. Um, because as you said, like, yes, we are in the magical realm, but we are still physical human beings that live in this realm. So I think it's important to realize that, like you said, we are going to make mistakes and our beliefs are going to change so just give yourself the grace to evolve over time as your practice evolves i agree with that and i think one of the first subjects that um you should research is daily practice and it's going to depend on the individual i also want to say that the books that we're going to recommend aren't going to necessarily apply to you. Um, I think um, some practices, we're like folk practitioners, so if you're like into Talima or something like that, I don't think we're going to recommend any books like that, so do your research. And just because we recommended this book doesn't mean you have to approve of it or 
um, your beliefs apply to it or um, necessarily be interested in these but these are just some books or points that I think apply to a lot of people and they're just um, points of they're just ways to get deeper and I, th I think that your practice is going to change over time so don't um, don't box yourself in especially from day one and I think titles and types like green witch garden witch I don't think you should limit yourself to having a title I know I went on a tangent but the moral is don't box yourself into one practice um, just because you started that day one druidry you're not gonna end um, at druidry you might end at talima at folk magic something like that yeah I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, I feel like modern day witch types kind of confuse me in a way because uh, it's basically describing your craft in the tools that you use. And I don't really understand the concept behind that, I guess, because, you know, one of the witch types today could be candle witch. But, you know, I use more than just candles in my practice. So to define my practice by my tools just doesn't make sense to me and doesn't resonate with me. But if you feel like you want to call yourself a candle witch, I mean, you're more than welcome to just don't restrict yourself or your practice based on that title or type. Some people might like that title, but you don't need to box yourself in, especially from day one. And most of what you see online and social media, so social media is image based. So you're going to see a lot of aesthetic um, practice, which we discussed last episode. Um, with Wits of Southern Light and Georgina. So go listen to that. Yeah, um, what you see on social media isn't 100% real. Some practices are um, so quote-unquote boring that no one is really going to share them. So I'd say your best means of research is Google and books. Right. Um, speaking briefly on that, um, what you had said about social media, I actually made a post about this, but um, a lot of what you see on social media and what people post on social media is only about a fraction of their personal practice. Um, and again, going back to our last episode with Georgina and Marshall, um, you're not going to want to use your main source of research um, you're not going to want to get your main source of information from content creators online. Like you're going to want to do additional research on top of that and just be critical and uh, of the information that you're receiving from people online as well, because a lot of what we're sharing, as I said, is personal practice. So it's UPG and it's not something that's necessarily uh, verifiable by someone else, if that makes sense. Everyone's going to have a bias at the end of the day and I think I'm gonna like go on a rant on epistemology, but we can't really test scientifically if Rosemary connects to protection, but it's gnosis. And I think there are there are general things that um, people agree upon with. Um, if you have your own UPG, that's okay, but it might not apply to everyone. So if a content creator says um, Rosemary is used for love spells, it might be their own UPG, but um, it might not be verified gnosis um, or the general generally agreed upon idea. So 
Um, everyone's gonna have their bias, even authors and books, but that's why you cross research and Google is your best friend, also books, but they can be your worst enemy because there are bad books out there. That's why you cross-reference, so if you have a book saying Rosemary is used for love spells and two of them say they're f it's for protection, I'd say go with the two books over the one book. I agree totally. And going off that note as well, there is a lot of information out there. And yes, you're going to want to cross-reference that information that you're taking in. But also, there's no rush. This isn't a race. Um, you're not racing anybody to get to some sort of finish line. And you shouldn't compare yourself to other practitioners that maybe you see online who have been practicing for a while because they're going to be much further along than you are and also maybe on a separate path or practicing something separate from what resonates with you. So just take it at your own pace and learn as you go. Social media should be a source of inspiration rather than where you should just get all your information from. Exactly. Or as, as a tool of comparison, like you shouldn't use um, social media to compare your craft to somebody else's or vice versa. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. <laughs> Especially since a lot of what we see on social media is aesthetic. Even I'm aesthetic on there. Same. I like pretty things. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we've kind of covered um, that pretty well. Maybe let's move on to some other tips. One of the main ones that I wanted to talk about was there's like this this thought or concept that uh, you'll see in the community, especially if you're in an online space and it's not held true across the whole community, but um, there's this idea that you have to be born into a family of witches or be initiated into a coven to be a witch or to have a valid practice. And I disagree with that. I don't think that that is true. Um, there are many solitary practitioners out there and um, practitioners that are the first witch in their family so just keep that in mind as well like you don't have to be of a family of witches or be initiated for your craft to be valid i also made a post about this on my page you can go check it out shameless plug but i also agree upon that like the funny thing is that we see a lot of people boasting online that they're hereditary witches because their grandma makes herbal tea and it's like <laughs> <laughs> like you can't really measure it in dna Culture is separate from DNA, and if you want to start practicing, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you less powerful or anything. I agree, 100%. So we've talked about um, not having to be born or initiated to be a witch. We talked about some of the resources that you can get information from. Research is probably the most important thing uh, in starting your practice, so that should be like your primary concern in the beginning. <laughs> um, you spoke briefly on daily practices. Did you want to talk a little bit more about that, Lancel? Okay, so what is daily practice? Um, daily practice isn't elaborate or anything. We're not summoning Babylon into a circle every day. We're putting intention in our tea. We're drawing a card at the beginning of the day or at the end, depending on how you do it. You might meditate daily. It might be on your morning jog. It might be before you go to work on your sofa. It's gonna be dependent on everybody since we don't share the same schedule as everyone in the world, yeah. I completely agree. That was, um, those are part, some of my tips as well. 
would be to cultivate a meditation practice. And as you said, that can look like many different things. Um, and you don't have to start out with, you know, meditating for an hour, sitting still, so forth. It can be two minutes, five minutes. It could be uh, just sitting in silence. It could be drawing. There are many different uh, forms of meditation, but definitely starting to cultivate a meditation practice in the beginning is going to be extremely helpful uh, further on in your practice. And along with that, um, I also wrote down getting a journal and just writing everything down. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with your meditation practice, because while you meditate and while you're learning, there are going to be a lot of things that come up that maybe you're going to have to work with. And this goes along with shadow work, but that's where you're going to write everything down in this journal. And this is going to help you work through some of those beliefs that maybe no longer serve you and letting them go while you evolve and move forward in your practice. Also on the note of the journal, if you do some learning, you might find out what a book of shadows is or a grimoire. My thoughts on that is it's a good idea, but if you're starting out, use file paper, use ugly scraps of paper. If you have a... I don't have a problem with people using really good or beautiful like leather-bound notebooks, but the problem with that is you're not gonna really write a lot in it. And I think the cover doesn't really matter. Five years in the future, you're not gonna like check um, if the cover is leather-bound, you're gonna see what you've wrote. And if you get a leather-bound book from day one, my, my example is, wait, my advice would be to scribble in the front page um, you actually learn this, like, it's not spiritual or anything, it's like, you learn from art. If you have a fancy uh, sketchbook, you don't really want to ruin it with some ugly drawing. So my advice would be, scribble on the first page, so you can fill it up. Once you find it quote-unquote ugly, you're not gonna have a problem with writing in it. I, um, I agree with that. It's funny because I'm the type of person who likes pretty things and I'm a perfectionist. So in the beginning, I was very hesitant. Um, I went out and I got this really beautiful book to write in. And for the longest time, I didn't write anything in it because I was just too scared. So I had like these scrap pieces of paper all over the place with all my notes. And I had digital versions of things that I wanted to, to, to bookmark or to keep. And it wasn't for the longest time that I actually started to begin writing in my books. So I think my tip for that would be use scrap pieces of paper um, and kind of figure out what you want to do if you're like me and you like something that's aesthetically pleasing or if you're a perfectionist and it bothers you to have to rip pages out of your book, maybe pre-plan what you're going to write in it. <laughs> I used to rip out pages from my notebook. Now I'm just like stapling pieces of crap to it because I don't care enough or patience enough to like just find an empty page and just write like I use notebook paper, I use like um, notebook paper, just buy a school notebook and just scribble in it. You're not gonna have problems. Yeah, no, but that's what I do. Like for my working notes and stuff like that, I'll write all of my research and, and things that I wanna like scribble or, or thoughts, I'll write it down first. And then when I feel like I'm ready to transition it into my bigger, book then that's what I'll do um, but I have like a separate like scrapbook where I can write everything down and work through it and that just that's a process that works for me so again that's just you kind of have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you 
for me, just like my pretty books, quote unquote, pretty books, I treat them like pretty for like a year and then I just start turning them to junk journals. It's just my process. It's gonna like depend on you. So do as, and if you're a perfectionist and you can always use a file or folder, if you have a problem with tearing out pages, you can use notebook paper, um, use a ringed file. That's what I'm using. Um, for some notes on Kabbalah and tarot. Yeah, binders um, are great. And also um, I utilize digital uh, as well to kind of rearrange things and like copy and paste and scrap and all of the rest of that. So that's been very helpful, helpful for me. Moving on, I think we've kind of rambled a little bit about that now. <laughs> um, my next tip would be to just not worry about all of the fancy esoteric items that you see online. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money to begin your practice. You don't really have to spend any money at all to begin your practice. Um, nature can provide you with most things that you're going to need to begin your practice, if not all. So I don't think you have to worry about getting that, you know, really aesthetically pleasing wand or athame or crystals or you know herb bundles from other places like you can go outside and find a lot if not all of what you're going to need to begin your practice i agree and like the thing that we see in folk practice on the online space is it's somewhat becoming like the ceremonial community where you need to like buy 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 instead of use what's around you so um, I'm from the like school of thought which you're gonna like use everything in your house and we're gonna have an episode on this in the future about using what you have in your house already so I think the point of folk magic isn't to buy some dried mandrake root of the internet and use it. I, I think you definitely can but the main focus for me at least is working with the nature around you and what you have already. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I've been guilty of falling into that mindset of having to buy these things to do a certain uh, practice or just to work in my practice. And it's definitely not true. Like you don't have to go in, for example, and buy herb bundles. I have cedar that grows abundantly around me that I can literally go out and, and harvest and, and create uh, uh, herb bundles for smoke cleansing or whatever else. Like, so you don't have to go to some metaphysical shop and spend $10 on herb bundles when you can go outside and, and harvest it and get it for free. Also, I'm going to say um, safety warning. If you're going to take anything from nature, you need to be careful that it's not poisonous um, or it's not going to irritate your skin. Yeah, exactly. That And that goes along with just doing your research and, and knowing what you're handling. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to, uh, another tip that you wanted to add? Okay, um, my tip would be find a community of like-minded people, but don't feel that you need to be in a coven. Community and coven is different. Um, you can definitely be solitary. I'd say find a group of good friends who also have a similar practice. I agree with that. Um, in the beginning of my craft, it was solitary. And then there was a brief moment where I thought in order to further advance myself, I needed to join a coven. And so I did join a local coven with uh, around me, sorry. But um, 
it turns out that it, what they practiced didn't really resonate with me and how they did their practices didn't align with mine. So I left and actually joining the online community has been much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Beneficial or connecting for me. I found a lot more people who share the same beliefs as me. And I've learned a lot since joining discord and, and reaching out to the communities. So yeah, as Lancel said, you don't need a coven, but connecting online can be very, very beneficial because you're going to have a, a wider community like around the world that you can connect with and you have a higher chance of finding people that resonate with you, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so am I still recording? I'm just going to check. Don't learn about your... Um, yeah. Don't learn about your beliefs from opposing religions. Um, yeah. Um, um, so, did you want to elaborate a little bit? Okay, so since it's all epistemology and some people might be extremists about their beliefs, so if you want to learn something about a religion, don't learn it from someone who's opposing it. Um, yes. Even if even if they're like chill, I there'd still be some misinformation. So check with that organization or system of belief. Um, yeah. Uh, be a skeptic. Don't believe everything you see online. Um, most of it's aesthetic. Some people make mistakes and that's okay. Some people just spread misinformation on purpose. Um, we're definitely not gurus and we don't really promote that we're gurus. So do your research, cross-reference cross us because we make mistakes sometimes. Absolutely, yes. Like we are human and we can have misinformation. So definitely. My next tip actually kind of goes along with the previous tips that we mentioned with, you know, cultivating meditation practice and journaling um, and shadow work. And I think um, it's important. So um, being able to uh, distinguish between your intuition and maybe um, some conditioned beliefs or responses that you've picked up throughout your lifetime. Uh, because they are definitely going to influence how you move throughout your practice and how you move throughout your life. So being able to distinguish like your internal compass versus what you've been fed throughout your life and the information that you've picked up from others, I think is extremely important in 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 continuing forward in your craft and in continuing finding your personal truth and, and living in that. Yeah, I agree with that. Another tip would be spell work doesn't mean you should be lazy. <laughs> and um, who, Olivia, the Witch of Wonderlust, actually did a great video on this. So we can make sure to link it in the description below for you. Because she basically talks a little bit more about this and how um, a lot of beginners are guilty of it. So, And then my next tip would be to choose at least one form of divination and I think this just kind of reaffirms the tip on trying to practice distinguishing between your intuition and outside influences uh, because when we practice our divination we're essentially 
taking cues from ourself to, to find answers or to get advice uh, for our mundane lives. Maybe some advice for magical as well if you're using it uh, like pre-spell work, for example. But yeah, I think uh, choosing a form of divination in the beginning, at least one, is is important. Also, like to cap it all off would be if you're a beginner, don't be cocky and say that you know everything. I was did a good episode on this and um, they basically explained the psychological model of beginners like pretending to know everything and then it's just like a landslide of you saying you don't know anything yes exactly and i think most um if we're speaking it not in terms of online i think most good content creators will be very transparent and let you know that they don't know everything that they don't have all the answers to everything you can't possibly especially if you're somebody who follows a particular path You know, you're not going to know, like, I uh, am a folk practitioner and my practice is secular. So uh, for me to say, like, I know everything about, for instance, uh, Thelema uh, would be a lie. And to try to give advice on something like that, uh, I would just not, not even attempt to, because I would have to do further research and understand more before I was even at the uh, capacity to be able to do so well so yeah put sulfur and vinegar in a jar to love yourself more (laughs) (laughs) um okay so book recommendations i think that's this is a good place to start with those so why don't you go ahead lancel okay so um my first one would be the the encyclopedia of magical herbs by scott cunningham i think um, I think you can ke- get it on Kindle edition and you can get the physical book. I think it's like, um, I won't say it's a fundam- f- fun, what's the word? foundational book, but it's a good encyclopedia that uh, if you're using herbs a lot, you're going to reference. I agree with that. Um, one of the books that I always recommend for beginners and it's for divination I would say is 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollock. I think that's a great book to start out with learning for uh, tarot. I also agree that's a good book. Um, if you're going for tarot and the Kabbalistic way, the Kabbalistic tarot, for tarot, holistic tarot, I think it's called, Tech Nike um, recommended it. If you're wanting to get into runes, I think it's the Poetic Edda. It's Norse. Um, I think it has the poems of... Odin and the whole explanation of the runes. If you just want a direct approach to the runes, it would be what's the red book name again? Futark by that person. I'll find it and link it below. <laughs> um, I think a great book, um, especially if you're looking for maybe some different paths or traditions to follow, uh, the Cornish Book of Traditional Wishcraft is also a highly recommended book. Isn't it Cornish Book of Ways? Cornish Book of Ways, a book of traditional, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I might have got the title wrong, but again, I'll link it in the description below. If you want to find out, like, learn about paths, like numerology, astrology, um, Kabbalah, The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish is also a highly recommended book. Yeah, there's um, correspondence, actually. Oh, shoot, I forgot the author's name, but it's a complete book of correspondence. Um, and I just recently came across it. it. It's quite a thick book. It's like 
textbook size, that's also supposed to be good for learning like correspondence of the different elements and stuff like that. So that could also be a great beginner book. Also, I wouldn't, um, all the books by Erin Murphy Hiscock, they're all great. Just read them all. Um, you can actually find them on Audible too, because um, unlike in um, Scott Cunningham's books, who would even make like an Audible like audiobook of just like tables of correspondences. Who would want, like even want that? <laughs> I don't think anybody would listen to that to be honest. <laughs> um, I do have a yeah. Erin Murphy Hiscock's books. They're all on Audible. Yeah, that's actually a good call out too. Is like you don't have to just get physical books. I like physical books for references, but you can also listen to podcasts, audiobooks. Um, there are many different resources, as we mentioned throughout this episode, so don't feel like you have to just read books, um, but definitely still do read books. <laughs> uh, I did have a couple more books. So these ones are fairly newer uh, to this year. Um, so obviously The Psychic Witch by Matt Oren is a great book, um, and it is beginner-based, but you can also adapt it to your practice if you're a little further along, um, which is great. And then um, The Year of the Witch by Temperance Alden. Um, Tempora Apples. <laughs> yes. I, I purchased the book. I enjoyed it. I like how she uses um, your geographic location to adapt the Wheel of the Year to, uh, for you and your practice. So definitely recommend that. She also talks about intuitive magic and budget witchcraft. So... If you secretly want a signed copy with tempora apples, you can just email her and she'll do it. <laughs> um, do we have any more? I, I mean, I think we covered quite a few books. I mean, Buckland's Complete Book. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's by Raymond Buckland. Uh, it's Wiccan based, but it's also the first chapter is really good because it has on... The originations of sympathetic magic so if you're not wiccan and you still want to at least read the first chapter it's still good oh going off of that um teen witch by silver raven wolf now i know that there are there is some controversy about her writings in the community um however if you are on the younger side and maybe you're looking to um, include your family in your decision she does actually have a chapter speaking to the parents directly in that book so that's nice if you want to get free books legally, there are specific libraries which there are copyright free books on places like the Hermetic Library and other places we'll link in the description where you can get books like from A.E. Waite and some other good books and like the Kai Balion, I think. There are some good free resources which are copyright free so you can get for free. Yay, free books. <laughs> <laughs> so my takeaways would be not to compare your practice and your progress to anybody else's um, do as much research as you possibly can and um, write everything down literally everything <laughs> I also agree don't try and be aesthetic just scribble on, a, on notebook paper it's not gonna really matter do your research with research, cross-reference, Google, books, YouTube. Social media isn't really 100% what people practice. So just use common sense and be skeptical. Also, you're going to make mistakes. So accept that you're going to make mistakes. 
and have fun. It doesn't always have to be super serious. Some people fart sometimes during their ritual, so. <laughs> or break stuff or burn stuff or themselves. So, you know. Oh, like me last, me last time, like a few days ago. I can't tell you how many times I burnt myself, so, you know. <laughs> or, you know, cut myself when I'm trying to make a Yule log. It's a little bit different, but still. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you want to find me on social media, I'm Betty, and you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at The Witch from the North. And you can find me on Instagram at Lancel Island Witch and Twitter Lancel D, that's T-H-A. And we have a page. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at Rosemary by the Bucketful Podcast.